This is Coda Radio, episode 312, for June 4th, 2018. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two great sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our host, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike! Hello, Mr. Chris. How are you doing? Have you been up all hours of the morning watching keynotes and reading tech news today? I have been so deep in the tech news. This is like a gift from the tech gods. It has been it has been a big day, as they say, uh, because it was officially announced today. It's been rumored for a little bit, but officially announced today that Microsoft is acquiring GitHub. That process has now started. It is public. We're going to be talking about that. And of course, it's also Apple's WWDC 2018 kickoff keynote day. So a lot to talk about today. Good thing we took notes and we came prepared. Like uh, you got a beer and I took notes, so I think we're pretty much set. So let's we're do set to go. All right, let's uh, let's let's save feedback for next week because uh, we've got so much to get into that I think we should probably just start here and let's save the GitHub stuff for a little bit and let's kick off with the news of the day, which is WWDC. We both just got done watching and streaming, and it really came down to a few sections, iOS 12, watchOS 5, uh, the Mac, and that really was kind of it. There wasn't really, there was no HomePod mentioned, so I'm sorry, I know that disappointed you, no HomePod. I, I cried. <laughs> and oh, Apple TV, I suppose, was Apple TV was in the mix too, but I didn't take many notes for Apple TV. So let's start with yeah, iOS 12, what do you say? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think just right up front, we need to remind the listenership that WWDC stands for Worldwide Developer Conference. Um, that's something that may have been easy to forget during this presentation. Oh, I was not. I was not pleased. So iOS 12, I mean, maybe we should get your impressions first because I'm going to come down pretty, pretty hard. Nothing major. The newest stuff, uh, they, they right. really sort of started off the with performance, uh, uh, particularly performance for oldest devices, which that's going to sell. They announced a new cross-device VR file format that Adobe's working with, too, to create content creation tools called .usdz. And they announced a new AR app called Measure, as well as some updates to photos to try to get more competitive with Google Photos. Um, but I think the big stuff, uh, which I can save if you want, was the Siri stuff. Yeah, the Siri shortcuts is interesting. Um, it looks pretty limited. I don't, you know, I would like less Siri in my life in general. I don't see a whole ton of people running out and writing apps specifically to take advantage of the Siri shortcuts. So the Siri shortcuts is uh, also, it's, it's well, it's really more of a user thing, too, because you can assign your own phrases and then essentially, like using workflow style macros, uh, create little functions like right. I'm going home and then it gets you directions, set your home kit settings to 70 degrees, sends a text to a significant other and then begins to play the NPR radio, uh, whatever you may have set in your macro. Uh, so that way, Apple doesn't have to try to uh, invent every possible esoteric use case for Siri. They're just going to let users create it. They just basically punted. Let the apps do the work. Let the apps do the work, yeah. Yeah, and a bunch of core apps got iPad versions, app limits, which give you now reminders to take a break, parental activity reports. Based on what you see, too, you can give your kids allowances based on how they use their device, i.e. if they use their devices less, you can reward them. They announced Apple Books, which is replacing iBooks, uh, and some changes to notifications like group notifications by topic, thread, and app, and group FaceTime. That's really the things that stood out to me for iOS 12. Now, you seemed like you got a different impression. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would almost rather take the conference as a whole. Okay. I, I only saw maybe, or the conference, the keynote as a whole, I only saw maybe three, maybe four things that really were interesting to developers. And I'm not going to count dark mode for Xcode or, or Mac OS. One, because Xcode finally getting dark mode, it's not something they should be bragging about. Just throwing it out there. Core, some of the ML stuff around, um, 
uh, Core ML2 and their machine kit stuff with Swift looks interesting, but that is a major departure from how that uh, that domain space typically works. And I'm not convinced that it's going to be attractive to for a lot of people to basically train their models, their, their uh, machine learning models, using a GUI app on a Mac in Swift. Um, especially when a lot of machine learning algorithms work really well with, uh, well with NVIDIA CUDA cards. Mm-hmm. And Apple does not offer that. So that that felt odd to me. I guess the desired use case is one might want to add some sort of machine learning element to an existing application or into a Mac or iOS app. And this is just an easy way to do that coming from the position of an iOS developer. It's certainly interesting. Certainly accelerating it with Metal uh, may give Metal a reason to exist that's not games. I felt a little bit like, honestly, the big plan for this uh, this keynote was going to be Marzipan, the cross-platform iOS and Mac thing they mentioned at the end, but it just wasn't ready. Yeah, so let's, so talk, about a, let's yeah. talk about Marzipan just for a second, because that is maybe the biggest news, ironically, which is not even going to be until next year, they said. till next uh, year. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be something that uh, they'll ship their new apps like Home and News and Stocks apps that's going on Mac OS. That's built with Marzipan or whatever they're calling it. They didn't give it a name. And they're going to try that for a year. And then however that goes, then they'll they'll incorporate changes and improvements and then they'll release it to developers in 2019. So this is, the more I hear about this though, is this Electron that they're creating? Are they creating a new Electron are they created, but but with their own no. technologies? Like so, it's Electron for the Apple ecosystem. No, it's it's adding. So from from the very little that's leaked and the very little they showed on stage today, it's adding basically UI kit hooks into into uh, App Kit. Hmm. You know, I was actually pretty pretty hopeful for it because I could see a world where you write an iOS app and then just theoretically, right? I was doing a little architecture in my head during the keynote. Let's say you had an iOS app that gathered a bunch of data or did a bunch of AR tagging. Then you brought it back to your Mac, let's say your iMac Pro, and did a bunch of machine learning on that data. That would be a good place to take advantage of something like Marzipan to share the code between you know both sides of the application. Now, the reality is someone can do that much easier in like a number of other technologies, mm-hmm. including C Sharp, right? Um, you just do a Xamarin app and do a uh, really just write a desktop app in C Sharp or hell, whatever you want. I I don't know. I I, I don't have a lot positive to say about this keynote. I, I was hoping, like when, when it kept dragging on and they kept showing like ridiculous stuff for the watch, I was thinking, okay, so they're they're dragging this out. There's going to be something. Is there going to be a MacBook Pro? Hmm. Is there going to be is yeah. Marzipan maybe actually coming I, out? I was thinking they really should update the MacBook Pro, even if it's just a quick update with a new keyboard. Um, it's like swap out the keyboard. I don't, although I still don't. I, I think it's underwhelming. I think the whole thing was underwhelming. It was very consumer focused. Uh, but there were, I don't know, there were. It's unusual it for it's it's unusual for Apple to talk about something that you're not even going to get your hands on for a year and like kind of. Well, sneak that little information out there. I thought that was interesting. So Marzipan may not be shipping, but they're at least talking about it. They're just like, you know what? Everybody's been rumored about it. Or what about the fact that they just addressed the whole, are you going to integrate Mac OS and iOS head on? And there's just a big nope slide up on screen. Well, that's what makes me think that the original plan was they were just going to announce and release Marzipan. Right. And when it wasn't ready, they had to back off of it. But just one other point I'd, I'd want to throw in here. Like AR kit, right? Adding additional functionality to AR kit is really interesting. But then Apple immediately Sherlock's one of the more interesting things you could do with AR kit in terms <laughs> of the measurements. So, like in particular, it almost felt like Apple was really excited to be their own app developer instead of a platform vendor, which was weird to me. Like a lot of this presentation was like, I, I mean, seriously, walk down this road with me. In an alternate universe, it's pretty. Their presentation makes a lot more sense when at the end they're like, "Oh, and you know, Marzipan is available now." Uh, you know, developer.apple.com, the beta, or releasing in a week, right? And by the way, you've already seen it in stocks, home, blah blah blah. Here, all these apps. Instead, it was like, "Yeah, we're not done yet, and we don't have anything." Like, okay, I, 
I just devil's advocate, right? Like I came into this, Chris, I have my MacBook set up. I set up a whole tool chain. I was ready to go. My plan was whatever a new API, if it was Marzipan or if it was something else, I was going to pound out an app within the next month and get it out the door as kind of a marketing thing. I, they gave me nothing. Right? There was no app that I could write today that I couldn't have written yesterday. I guess it depends on the lens you're looking at because like, uh, they did add new features to watchOS, which you say we're all kind of screwing around, but the stuff they added to watchOS seemed sort of relevant. You get third-party apps that can play background audio now. Sure. There's some vague improvements to what complications and access third-party apps get to that. And podcasts on the watch are huge for, for me. I think that's going to be great for our audience that have an Apple Watch. So there's some stuff in there that I think is decent. It just depends on where you where you look. Like I, I grant you, there is hardly nothing brought to the Mac that's of any interest to developers at all. I, I grant you that. But iOS 12, I think maybe you might be underselling some of that. And same with WatchOS. But I don't. I think you've nailed it with the well, Mac. Well, the, well, the WatchOS is they're just removing self-imposed restrictions, right? I mean, the only reason they didn't want background audio before was presumably battery life concerns. Or they just didn't have the ability to hook it into the API. I mean, so, so if, I mean, be be the Home HomePod Apple defender. Tell me, what did I miss? <laughs> no, I I think I think it's it's a very I, okay. I'll tell you. You want to know my big theory about it? And it's it's um it's yeah. I, I fry me some bacon. I have already mentioned it once, but I after watching the the recent keynote and other th- actions recently. I think I'm right, and I have a theory as to how something could possibly be at a company as rich as Apple that the people running it don't know how to use computers. Now, stick with me, because I know that sounds like a controversial thing to say, and, oh, well, Chris is just, you know, uh, just taking shots, but I think we have a serious problem here, and I think it starts at the top, and I'll explain my logic, because I think it explains why you're disappointed from a, from a pro-user standpoint. They're up on stage, and they're constantly saying, this was designed... In fact, I, I grabbed one of the quotes, uh, and I don't know if I, if I... Yeah, inspired by pro-users, designed for everyone. And then they kept saying, this is something pro-users really want. They said that several times on stage. And yet, everything seems very, very consumer-focused. Very little new stuff was opened up for developers. No major new kits were announced. Um, it was more like a cleaning up... Uh, which is good, but I have a theory as to why this is happening. So first, let's talk about Linux Academy, because that's why I'm on the road right now. I'm at, I am in Cortez, Colorado, and uh, I'm on my way down to see Linux Academy to help them get their broadcast system on Linux. They brought in some new folks. The new folks knew how to use it on the Mac, and we're going to go down and help them get it working on Linux and go to Texas Linux Fest. And Linux Academy is committed to Linux. They're enthusiasts about Linux, developers, educators. They got together and they said, let's create a platform to teach people more about Linux. It's a full-featured training library with everything you need to learn new skills and advance your career. They have self-paced, in-depth video courses on every cloud, Linux, and DevOps topic. If it can run Linux or Linux runs on it, you can find a course about it at Linux Academy. They have hands-on scenario-based labs that give you experience on real servers, full-time humans that can help you whenever you get stuck, and if you're busy, no problemo. They have a course scheduler. You can set a time frame, set learning goals, stick to it. It's pretty great. Now, if you go to linuxacademy.com coders, it's got an S on the end of it, linuxacademy.com coders, you can sign up for a free seven-day trial and you can support the show. They also have training for t- particular types of certification if you want to go and get your certs. They've got learning paths if you want to get down to a particular career track. Maybe you want to move tracks. They have a series of courses and content planned by their instructors to get on specific career tracks. And of course, they've got iOS and Android apps too. linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program, linuxacademy.com slash coders. So I think what's happening at Apple, and this is a wild speculation just based on years of observation now, and I think Steve Jobs built that company in a way to be run from the top. And it is architecturally designed in such a way that you've got you've got your chiefs, you've got your Phil Schillers, and you've got your Craig Federicis and others, and you've got then you've got what used to be Steve at the top is now Tim at the top. But Tim is an old compact guy who ran operations before he came to Apple. He was never in like the nuts and bolts of compact. And he's not a big computer user. I mean, he's even said it himself. He's more of an iPad user. 
And then you look at Craig Federici. He seems to be perhaps the most technically competent of all of them. But he's a, a, a man uh, in his, his middle-aged man who has a family. He has a very big career. He has a lot of things going on, lots of people to manage. He's probably not going home on the weekends and trying to build a Hackintosh or trying to you know uh, try something brand new in, in uh, machine learning on his, on his MacBook with an eGPU. There's a chance he's tried it, but it's probably not something he's passionate about. And so the people, and Phil Schiller, again, he's a marketing guy, a marketing genius, really, but he's not a technical expert. So you don't have an executive at the top now who is a PC user, a, a computer user, or, is in, or, or even just enthusiastic about technology in a fundamental way, like willing to risk everything and build a company in his garage so they could sell some wood boxes with computer parts in them with his esoteric buddy. Like, you got to be really into it to do that. And there's nobody at the company at the top anymore. Of course, you've got tons of developers, thousands of developers and computer experts throughout the company that are incredibly passionate about this stuff. And they're the ones that are writing the good code, right? They're they're really just super passionate, but they don't run the company. And I think the DNA of Apple from the day Steve Jobs started it is such that it is a top-run company. It has an executive that sits at the top, and, and now it's a team of executives. And this team of executives decides based on customer stat data, what the customer stat data is, on, on what the cost for manufacturing is, what the marketing message is. And they sit there and have these conversations, and they decide on what's going to ship. And it is too abstract from the actual people. And so that's why they actually do the work. And so that's why they've had to go assemble a pro team that could do pro work and advise them on the new features that should be in Mac OS because they don't know. They don't use them. They don't use Final Cut. They don't use Logic. They don't use Xcode. They don't know. And so they need to hire people, which are essentially yes-men, to tell them what to do. And what we've got is just a little bit more of the same now with dark mode. And it's, it's disappointing because it's like the, like the Mac App Store is all well and good, and it looks like a decent update, and there's some new apps that have, like BB Edit that have never been in there that are long-standing pro Mac apps that are coming, but there was no mention about upgrade pricing. There was no mention about any of that kind of stuff that's going to solve real issues for large-scale applications that cost tens of thousands of dollars to create. Why? Why, after all this time, has that not been addressed? Why? They just don't know. They're disconnected. So they, they're, they're kind of just going around by what all of their crew tell them, and then they make decisions based on factors that probably are different than the factors you and I would make decisions on. I'm thinking if I agree with you or not. I don't think I agree with you, actually. Or maybe... How could it be any other way? Might... How can it be any other way? I mean, just look what they're producing year after year. So, look at so the MacBook you, Pro. Right. So th there's two categories of complaint I have. One is the hardware is not for me, right? Which I think your your theory works there. So I'm not... Let's just table that, right? I'll, I will concede that point. There are obviously trying to keep the Mac as a high-end development platform when they like you know what that little Swift tool they have to do machine learning in Swift is something I'm going to check out because if that actually works right with that nice little easy GUI that's pretty good it's weird that it's not following the industry standards I'm going to put you know devil's advocate you're Apple therefore you must use Swift I guess you see what I'm saying? It's like the standard's Python, right? Like, <laughs> not an Apple. I'm, I'm just right. I, I get it, but like at Microsoft, you can do it on F Sharp. Uh, you fine. What? What I don't get is almost like a an argument mismatch here, in terms of I tune into a developer keynote from the richest company in the world ready, willing, and able to develop some sort of new software on their platform. I don't get a whole lot new. Now, it may be also the case that because 
because of what you said, because of your theory, the people presenting the information just failed to present it in, the, in a light that would have been attractive to me. So I'm certainly going to watch the session videos and, and look through yeah, the, and the private state of the uh, union and all right. of that. Yeah. It, it, it may actually be true that there is something um, like my expectation was at minimum, there was going to be some amazing new ARKit APIs. And I have an idea of something I want to do if ARKit was just, you know, incrementally improved. But that's not what they told me. Right, I mean, you, you're asking me to make a a. Well, I guess you're not. You're saying it just doesn't exist because they don't care to to do it. Is that basically your point? Well, I think it's that a little. It, it's a little. So, so say let's let's stick with ARKit for a second. It's very right. possible that they're at the developer level. There's new stuff they've put in there that just goes up in a word cloud for 25 seconds, or if that, maybe five seconds in the background. But then if you were to go to the actual sessions at WWDC or go to the State of the Union, you may find out about a new set of APIs because there is a new version of ARKit. So there's likely new functionality for developers to take advantage of. But the people that are presenting the information, uh, not only are they trying to target it for a general audience in the press, but they also genuinely don't understand and know how to distinguish between something that is really applicable to developers versus something that is just a nice new feature. I think they don't know. They probably Craig Federici is in the unique position to understand that, and I think that's the issue: is you've got one really strong, technically competent player in that executive team. Okay, but like, I don't even know if I'm arguing against you now. I'm just frankly complaining. Like, if you're serious about machine learning and you want Swift to be a good machine learning language, fine. You know what? I would be okay with that. Right? I am not religious. I would. I, I love my System76 stuff. I love Pop. I would totally work on a Mac if it was easier. Then you need to ship CUDAs. You need to ship NVIDIA CUDA graphics cards, right? The, the fact that a company with 30 people or however big they are now just released a laptop that will do a better job than a MacBook Pro that costs $1,000 more at a task that Apple just highlighted in their keynote is ridiculous to me. The company I'm talking about is System76, but... It is a fact, Chris, that if you are doing machine learning and you are, for whatever odd reason, trying to train your models on your own laptop, you definitely want at least a CUDA card. Yeah. Right? It's like when the guy said that, you know, unless, unless what Apple thinks is that you're not going to do any high-end machine learning. What you're going to do is you're going to add like a little bit of machine learning to an app and then I'm going to... You know, then then you then you're in this weird argument of what's like scripting and just like statistical analysis and what's machine learning, because yeah, that seems weird. But it like I agree with you. It sounds like Craig Federici was deadly serious on stage about that, right? It you know he very much seems to know what he's talking about. I, I just don't understand why would you not put your best foot forward and say this is AR Kit two, uh, and here's the ten new uh, things you can do with it. And this is a uh, core ML two and uh, what is it? Machine kit was the other one. Um, I, can't the name. I don't think I grabbed it. Oh, metal for machine learning. Okay, Sorry. okay. Metal for machine. Learning. Okay. And these and this is why you want to do that. Instead, we had to have this very long explanation about exercise during a developer keynote. Have you met developers? Uh, I know that was that was the the whole on the bike thing was that was weird. And an and emoji is just wrong. And I don't mean wrong as in for developer conference, which it is. I mean morally wrong. My There's, kids love it. It creeps me out. My kids just love it. They love it. I it's it reminds me of those old like late '80s horror movies when everybody was worried about Satanists and stuff, where like the kid wears a, a goat's head or something. I terrifying to me. I am horrified by Animoji. This may be more of a Mike issue than an Apple issue, but I don't know. I mean, to me, I, I don't even know if I agree with you or I don't agree with you because I feel like we're across purposes, but. I feel like they're just not taking their developer community serious at all. Well, right? like I, they want and that video with people's moms talking about Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna, David Attenborough talking about developers like they are animals in a jungle somewhere. Did you see that intro? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> Replace um, developer with any other group of people and you're on the front page of the New York Times. That's unbelievably terrible. So like that's insulting. Here's what so I I am I am more optimistic about the software improvements. Uh, you know the integration of workflow into iOS could be could be the biggest standout feature for iOS 12 for uh, power users. Um, and I'm glad that they finally revamped the Mac App Store 
But the things that jumped out at me was no new MacBook Pro at all, even if it was just going to be, now you can do 32 gigs of RAM and a new keyboard, for God's sakes. No iPad software OS level improvements, just uh, a few new apps that are coming to iPad from the iPhone. So they're not even really new apps. Um, so it's kind of it's sort of hit and miss for me. I think I think the hardware area is the weakest story for Apple in terms of no no Mac updates at all, no Mac Mini update either. Again, I think if you're looking for what developers need, Mac Mini. If, I mean, if you're looking for a Mac Mini, actually, you know, if you so imagine if they had the Mac Mini and, and it was just basically a rebranded Intel NUC, a NUC, yeah, yeah. It, that would be a great little machine to just try something out, especially if you're an iOS developer and you want to experiment with the Mac. Uh, you know, right now your entry point is a laptop or a or an all-in-one iMac. It's just ridiculous. I know it's it's just yeah. Anyways, I just uh, that's what those would have been signals to me that they kind of grokked what some of the more wider developer yeah, audience needed. Like certainly not fixing the damn keyboards and all their computers is super crazy to me. And I I got to be honest, I know I'm coming up pretty hard, and I can already see the YouTube comments coming. Uh, although it's not up on YouTube. I hope you're right, Chris, right? I hope Chris is right. I hope it's not, like, I hope there is some cool stuff and it's just like Tim Cook is just not the right person to run this company and the message, because the messaging comes off as weirdly infantilizing and it's kind of like, oh, you guys are so cute, little boy, here's a Matchbox car. And now the grownups are going to go work out and, you know, I don't know. It, yeah, it, 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 it felt, Bad. I mean, don't do you agree, or do you think I'm just crazy? Um, it felt off tone. The, it felt. I don't know how to put this. I've been trying to think about how to put this into words, but all but one of the female presenters they brought up on stage felt like they were bringing females up on stage to to check on box. Purpose. And that, right. and it was, you know, and I think some people in the chat room felt that way too. And it's it's unfortunate when you see that because that's almost feels like the reverse of what they're trying to accomplish. I'm not saying that for all of the presenters, but there was definitely some, uh, you know, they've all been very, very heavily coached. The Apple keynote is almost a parody of itself now. And, uh, it's it could such have been a, an episode of Silicon Valley, yeah, right? It, it could have been the guy from Hulia up there. It's such a ripped off format now too. It's like everybody uses that format. And so it's, it feels really done. And I think the, the pent up need the, what's going on here is the crossroads that we're approaching now. We're, we're, we're dancing around this GitHub story, but look at the message from Microsoft, the continuous, say, last 25-year message about how they feel about developers versus the story we just got from Apple. Uh, and, and, and you and I both watched Build. You compare and contrast Build to, uh, to, to WWDC, and it's clear Microsoft deeply, deeply understands developers it feels like when they're up on stage they are developers themselves that are making things for other developers when apple's on stage it feels like the candy company is making a new magical toy and there's a way for you developers to play along too and that uh, I, I, at least how that's make it so much worse that, and so i just i think yeah. i think it's just it wasn't enough and it didn't solve enough problems for uh, to uh, to uh address the crossroads that they're at right now it it, it it's not see to me i mean i'll I'll get off of it because i i think we're just going to come close to a flame war here but it wasn't just that it wasn't enough the actual tone to me was you know i felt like i was in 10th grade and some girl's mom was trying to convince her to go out with me because you know the nerds he'll make a lot of money right like it, it felt weird like the the especially the first video with uh with with the developers in the wild treating them like some sort of weird creature you would find an animal, and and the thing with the moms and the relatives was just unbelievably bad. <laughs> it, you know, my, if you contrast it to Microsoft and to Google, Microsoft and Google treat this like a real profession, a real skill. Apple treats it like some sort of lifestyle I don't choice. even know it's a lifestyle choice but for for like children like honestly it felt like they were talking to children it, it i don't we, we can move on it, it it just felt super the only word i can think of is infantilizing i mean it really felt like they were trying to say we're the adults you we understand you have these feelings and you want these things but you know you do have a curfew and you can't drink right like it just ah terrible yeah yeah i don't know if i get that strong of a read but i do i do feel like it was off the mark and 
Uh, I, my, I myself uh, am just pleased to see that they're adding a uh, workout mode for hiking because, geez, I always feel like I was getting ripped off on that. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we take a break and we'll change gears and we'll talk about GitHub, Microsoft, and the big story in all of that that isn't really getting very much discussion, at least not today on Monday as this all broke. But first, let's talk about DigitalOcean and how you can get a $100 credit when you go to do.co slash coder. No S on this one. do.co slash coder. $100 of DigitalOcean credit for 60 days when you sign up with a new account. And you can do a lot in 60 days. Try something new or maybe improve an existing app. Test something you've been wanting to try for a while. They have optimized compute types where you can deploy droplets that have been optimized for specific types of compute workloads. They have customizable droplets where you can mix and match the resources. My favorite system, though, is three cents an hour. Three cents an hour, and I get four gigs of RAM, two CPUs, 80 gigabytes of SSD disk space, and three terabytes of transfer for three cents an hour. Everything is SSDs. If you get the $5 a month system or you get one of those systems with hundreds of gigs of RAMs and lots of Xeon CPUs, everything is SSDs, even the block storage. And then they have easy, simple, straightforward DNS management. Cloud firewalls, which block traffic at their network level instead of letting the traffic hit your box. Monitoring and alerting, so that way you can deliver pro-level services and keep track of how things are trending. Global data centers, data centers all over the world, and 40 gigabit connections coming into the hypervisors. And then they wrap it all up with a great dashboard and a super straightforward API. Try it out. 60 days with $100 credit. do.co slash coder. Now, if you're thinking about trying GitLab, they have a one-click deployment for GitLab. One click, and it's all set up and ready to go, and you can get to work. do.co slash coder, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Yeah, so it started, uh, you started probably seeing this over the weekend, I think, based on the Telegram Telegram, and, and Slack chats that I saw. Yeah. But for $7.5 billion today... My I'm sorry, put your pinky up. Billion. Billion. <laughs> Microsoft officially announced it today that they are going to acquire GitHub. And Nat Friedman, the founder of Xamarin, is going to be, or Xamarin, or however you say it. Still called Xamarin every time. Is going to be the, I can't stop now, is going to be the new CEO <laughs> of GitHub once all this closes in about a year, or at the end of the year, they think. So it's huge. This is huge because it's also it's also Microsoft buying Electron, basically. And that, to me, seems like it's a big, big story that's not getting a lot of discussion right now. Yeah. And Adam, which uh, yeah. I think it's going to be good night to Saigon for Adam pretty soon. Oh, right. Now we've got... Uh, VS Code. Mm. Yeah. We've got some redundancies. And under the hood, they're effectively the same. Mm. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... So let's start with GitHub. A lot of people have been talking um, like this is the end of the world on Twitter. You know, lots of announcements about being at the end of the world. I think it's a little too early to tell, uh, but I think it is a it's a good, um, as they say, teaching moment about centralization. Um, and especially when that comes to open source projects. And it's a great opportunity for GitLab. So that that those are my thoughts on on everybody freaking out about switching. But what have you what just well, before we move on? What do you think about the reaction so far? Surprised? Not surprised? Over the top? What do you think? Am I surprised that it happened, or am I surprised at the reaction? Well, I was thinking the reaction, but I'm actually curious of the first one, too. So start with the reaction, then not, let's talk not, about it. Yeah. So I made a mistake of, when I first saw the leak, posting it to the uh, Reddit programming subreddit and just watching the comments come in in my little notification panel there. Oh, boy. People are not happy, right? No. I wrote a quick blog post on DominicM.com. Um, I wrote it when I noticed that the GitLab import tool actually crashed because <laughs> so many people were trying to pull their repos off of GitHub. <laughs> oh, man. I myself, uh, up until recently, was a Bitbucket user, uh, but for basically compliance reasons, I'm using a self-hosted GitLab now. Um, I had evaluated GitHub, but I'm... I'm a little old manish, and I kind of think it's important to control your own infrastructure, uh, provided you have good backups. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't surprised by the reaction either. So, what do you think? Were you surprised about this purchase? No, I think Microsoft is one the logical purchaser for GitHub, and honestly, someone had to buy GitHub, right? Like they weren't going to IPO on good terms. I don't know. Financials I mean, were. 
the, the one argument I've heard a lot is one of the features of GitHub, one of the biggest features of GitHub was the fact that it was an independent operator. It could sit between AWS yep. or Azure or DigitalOcean. Like it was just this independent operator that didn't have any skin in that aspect of the game. So there, I would prefer to have seen it stay a, uh, solo, right? But the answer to that was they probably needed to generate more revenue and therefore raise prices. Ah, yeah. Okay, I could see that. Um, the other thing is, one thing that I'm not seeing enough of is people are like, oh my God, GitHub, how am I going to use Git? If you are using GitHub as a central repository, you're just like doing Git wrong, right? Like the, the, your real problem is that GitHub created a bunch of proprietary tools to help you with deployments and continuous integration, and you got totally locked into them. So I don't know, like I moved to GitLab from Bitbucket in a day because I pulled the repo, added an origin, pushed the new origin, right? It's really easy if you're doing everything by open standards and open tools and not using any proprietary integrations. Yeah. It's really hard if you're using these one-click deployment things. And that's that's where I think a little bit of the FUD makes sense uh, around like the Microsoft acquisition. Because I could totally see an Azure button on like every repo, right? Like deploy to Azure now. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Those things it, already this, exist. This, right. And, and of course, Heroku has one, Microsoft has one. But this, the only way this really makes sense is is as yet another play to funnel people into Azure, in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. Seems like this could also be just, uh, hey, we're the developer company now. You want to write software on Linux and deploy it on AWS? As long as you're doing it with Visual Studio Code and pumping it through GitHub, ah, we're good. You know, like they don't care. I think that might be the the mic. This is uh, we're the company for developers. And you look at the contrast we just saw from Apple and then you look at Microsoft. Microsoft really has been making a lot of moves, .NET Core, Visual Studio Code, and many other things on their GitHub page, which we'll have a link to the show notes. A lot of stuff is open source, including throwing Windows on GitHub. They may be the largest code contributor on GitHub. I think that is actually a... They are. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I wonder if this is even bigger than Azure in a way. Like, I absolutely, fundamentally has a very important, maybe the most important component is the Azure component and the future potential there. Yeah. But I wonder if it isn't bigger than Azure. Because look I at Electron. Is big. Yeah. Consider Electron, Electron too, right? Yeah. And so it's a, it's a bigger purchase. They have Electron now. They have GitHub and GitHub can... GitHub is like this middleware between so many different endpoints. Uh, it's so many things are tied into GitHub. So many things are tied. Like my, my, my Linux box sitting next to me right here is, you know, it, it pulls down updates from GitHub. It's like, it's, it's, there's so many things that are tied into GitHub. Oh, sure. Microsoft now has all of that. Plus they have now easy tie-ins to Azure and they've got Electron. So I think it's bigger than just one thing. But, but okay, so the bigger message you think is that Microsoft is basically the anti-Apple now. They're saying, you know, yeah. we are the developer company. We're right. engineers. We understand you. We're not doing weird documentaries on you. Sorry, I couldn't, couldn't help it. Yeah, and um, also, also, I think it also means that a lot of Microsoft's products are going to probably shift over to Electron. Skype was just the beginning. Yeah, I think that would have happened anyway, though. Yeah, I, exactly. So, yeah, so, that's so why they probably made this, the purchase. This actually ties into both WWDC and the GitHub Microsoft purchase. And I'm going to make a bold prediction here, and I can't wait to see Telegram later tonight. I think Microsoft is actually ahead of the game in a lot of ways. They understand that the future is open standards. Um, I would argue the present is open standards too, but, and, you know, progressive web apps, Electron, uh, you know, just frankly not being crazy and proprietary about stuff. Where Apple's like, we're going to re-implement machine learning in Swift because that makes sense. It the, just it, it's weird. I don't know. I feel like there's something here, Chris. That both of these things happen on the same day, and the dichotomy between them is huge. Yeah. Right. Just like night and day. Help yep. Mojave and Snow Leopard. Oh. Oh yeah, I agree. I think it is that it's a it's a massive A B contrast between the two. We couldn't we couldn't be getting a bigger disparity because. I really think Microsoft has shifted towards this um, development platform focus, and Apple is shifting towards this 
enrich our ecosystem focus. They've shifted. They've been there for a while. Uh, to this enrich our ecosystem focus. Make things better for the iPhone. If you're on an iPhone, now you can scan using your iPhone camera and it goes directly into the dock you're working on on the Mac. Like That's where they're focusing, which is great for that ecosystem. But... Everyone's user, right? Uh, right? But the the thing is, is if this continues, if this if these trend lines continue, everyone's going to be writing software for those iPhones and especially the back end software for all those Macs. They're going to be writing it on Microsoft's tools. They're going to be hosting the code on Microsoft's tools, and the services are going to be running on Microsoft servers. Microsoft's going to own all of the stuff that's getting sold on that on those devices. Um, if Apple had played their cards better, they could have owned the entire stack better. Right, but, but so let's run, I agree with you 100%, but let's run it out five years. In five years, it's not going to be writing your native iOS app using Xamarin. It's going to be everything as a web standard. Thank, thank you, WebAssembly. You know, check off the, your bingo card for Coda Radio. And Microsoft is providing the best tooling, the easiest deployments from GitHub to Azure. Or frankly, from GitHub to wherever the hell you want. I really hope they don't go too crazy with the Azure thing. And Apple is still trying to convince you to redo your whole workflow in Swift. Right? Like Apple had nothing future leaning today other than the Marzipan, which really, you know what Marzipan is? It's rejiggering your iPad apps and your iOS apps to go work on the Mac. Yeah. Or Microsoft is saying, we are going to make best practices for frankly, large scale engineering projects, such as continuous integration, continuous deployment. Um, we're gonna make those practices more attainable for even junior developers. Like I'm talking kids right out of trade school, right? Or uh, junior college rather. You know what? I, I, I take it back. I welcome the click to deploy to Azure button on everything. If only to explain to junior developers that you really have to automate your deployment, right? Or maybe like some sort of Docker generation tool, like Docker file generation tool. Which, by the way, Microsoft is a huge supporter of Docker and containerization in general. Where Apple's, I don't know, trying to get me to run? It's not even on right? their map. Like, yeah, it's not even on their map. Right. It's like take a run, do some crunches. I don't know. But, but what about the FUD? I mean, you are the host of the Linux Action Show, Chris. I wow. mean, are you wow. feeling... Retired. It's reti- the retired host of the Linux Action Show. Well, you, you know what? I just listened to the old episodes. You're always my host, baby. <laughs> I what 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 particularly do you ask of me? What do you want to know? Of so, me? I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of the comments in Reddit, right? Some of the you know M dollar sign. Blah, oh yeah, blah, blah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, does that have any weight to you, or is that kind of just yeah? I asked. So I asked some. I asked some folks on Twitter that uh, follow me, and it seems like everybody's pretty middle of the ground. It seems like, you know, uh, people should have cared when Microsoft joined the Linux Foundation has come up a few times. Uh, a lot of people feel like eventually it's going to not work out. Like it's almost just guaranteed to eventually kind of devolve into something that people don't like from when it was independent. So a lot of people are just sort of hedging their bets. But um, another a, a fair amount of folks are, are pretty much sit back and wait and see. See what happens. Maybe things will work out okay. I think that's sort of my position as well. Is there's so much FUD going around right now that you got to give time. You got to calm down. I mean, this deal isn't even going to be done for another six months or something. So we've got we've got a lot of time before anything really changes. And then once uh, once the deal does go through, I think it's I think it's at least worth sitting back and seeing where this all goes. And the fact that Nat Friedman's going to be running it is encouraging because he's been in open source and working with Linux for a very long time. I mean. Uh, I forget how I'm supposed to mispronounce uh, his company, uh, Zamarian. Uh, when Zamarian, when he, uh, when Microsoft acquired right. Zamarian, uh, he became a Microsoft employee along with Miguel de Casa. And um, I, I, I gotta, I gotta say, like, if you're gonna put somebody in charge of GitHub, it has needed a new leadership for a long time. That's kind of why they're in this position to begin with. And he's been toying yeah. around with Linux since the '90s. So, like, who else are you gonna put in charge that's not in a better position at Microsoft to run this thing? So I say it's at least we deserve, they deserve at least a wait and see approach. That's my take on it. It's not like you can't move to GitLab in 10 months. Or, you know, a day or less. He stresses in his, in his blog post that we'll have linked uh, in the show notes, uh, coder.show slash 312. He says GitHub will operate independently as a community platform and business. They're going to retain its developer first values, distinct spirit, 
and open extensibility. So it seems like maybe it's going to be more like a Zappos run business than it's going to be a Skype run business for. Well, it's 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 going to be like LinkedIn, right? When they bought LinkedIn, LinkedIn's basically still LinkedIn. Yeah. Which I mean, in that case, maybe not a good thing. So but... so what's so what's everybody freaking out about exactly? You know, I'm seeing a lot of stuff about like, well, all these, and it is true, right? A lot of projects are moving off of GitHub. It seems like there's just a lot of bad feelings in in the community from like the 90s almost. Like one argument that does make sense to me, although I am the one who uh, originally made it on Twitter was, you know, if I had proprietary software and I was in some way even tangentially competing with Microsoft, it might give me pause now that they have access to all of my repos, right? Like that, that might be a reason to be afraid, but those aren't the people who seem to be screaming. It seems yeah. to be the, the FOSS community, which Microsoft is already very much in bed with you. Well, I don't think people acknowledge that as much as it's because it's more happening at the business level and people don't see like all the behind the scenes code contributions and stuff like that. It's not apparent, you know, a, a GNOME release is something that's in the user's face. Uh, Microsoft contributing 200,000 lines of code to the kernel is not in the user face. So I think that's right. part of it. And I think, yeah, it's history. You know, somebody on Twitter, again, I, I go back to because I've just been watching reactions to this because it's just been something. Somebody on Twitter said that uh, people just sometimes want to hate and they need something to hate and it's a it's a it's a personality trait and we we tell ourselves oh it's because they're microsoft it's because of technical reasons it's because of things that they've done but sometimes we just that's just our, how we're wired up that could be a part of it you know people have picked their tribe and now they're they're fighting it and they're going to stay that's part of their identity is is that I, I also have to leave a little space in here to acknowledge this could go wrong so not all of them may be wrong Microsoft could screw this up and it could really screw over a bunch of open source projects somehow. Right now, it doesn't seem likely, but it could happen. So at right now... Wait, wait, how is somehow? So what exactly could they do? Well, uh, you know, I, could, like I, I couldn't tell you, but I, I will say this. Um, and this has been a common argument is I am really disappointed in Skype since Microsoft has bought it. They destroyed its P2P inherent nature. They've essentially tried to chase every particular type of tech trend since they bought it, including right now, make it a Slack killer. They've awkwardly integrated it in with other products. Uh, it's gotten it's gotten more love, and I can see they've got a long-term vision with it, but I really am just... I miss old Skype. Old P2P, simple app, clean little tiny app that just made calls Skype. I don't want a Slack killer, a big Electron app that uses WebRTC, which in my opinion doesn't sound as good as the old Skype, and is now all server-based. So it's it's also not as great for all those edge cases where P2P is, is a better solution. I'm really unhappy with the way Skype's gone since Microsoft acquired them. LinkedIn, I feel like, has gotten pushier and a, and a little more aggressive since Microsoft's acquired them. It's like they've gotten more runway to be dicks, and I don't like that either. So I'm not 100% solid on Microsoft's long-term strategy here, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, and it seems to be their particular strength. They have a huge reputation for putting developers first. I mean, Steve Ballmer has fam made that famous. They have been making obvious inroads in into the open source community for years now, and I, 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 it does seem like a natural fit, and they have a good person to lead it. So I'm not saying it's going to be a failure, but I think I think we do a disservice a little bit intellectually if we say it's not possible. What do you think of that? <laughs> I'm thinking. I guess. I mean, I would say the better argument is more, once again, one of the five big tech companies is eating what could have theoretically been a contender. Now, GitHub had weird harassment issues that kind of screwed them up. Um, but you can definitely think of an alternate universe where GitHub actually became a top-tier company, Right. Like I could see a mud now. It, it's weird though, because what would GitHub have had to do to become equal to the Microsofts and Facebooks and Amazons of the world? I don't think it's would possible. they still have been GitHub? No. 
just because of the resources they're giving away to the open source community. No, no, it's because these corporations have, have 20 years of customer base, plus they have huge, massive, lucrative contracts with governments all over the world, and they've got major brand recognition amongst average consumers, so they're able to introduce products that get big traction much easier. GitHub doesn't have, doesn't have those things going for itself. Uh, I think it was probably destined to get purchased, if you think, if you think in those terms. Doesn't you? Know, but it doesn't have to be a top five. It, it could have been a top hundred. I mean, if it has to be purchased, I can't think of a better purchaser. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Right, like the, the the think about the alternate universe where Google purchased GitHub. That would be some serious cause for alarm. I bet you it wouldn't be getting the same reaction though. It might spook you oh, and I more. Oh, it would be. Really, you think you think people would be more okay with it? I do. I yeah. see that would scare the shit out of me. Like that. Yeah, me too. But I think I think the people that are reacting strongly about Microsoft purchasing GitHub are the people that would probably not all of them, but a lot of them would probably react better about Google. I wouldn't. Why? Uh, because Google is o- an open source company and uses Linux. That's the brand, right? That's the that's the that's the community. Every time, like I, I get, I, every time I criticize Google on the show, people get upset at me because I'm criticizing okay. a company that uses open source. Okay, so every time I've ever been to a Google campus, it's a frequency of MacBooks. Just want to throw that out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, I understand they use Linux on the server, and this is not me trying to be a jerk, but you know, uh, uh, laugh in the chat room points out says now that Microsoft owns LinkedIn and GitHub, do they even need to bother interviewing new hires anymore? <laughs> Well, that's actually, you know what? That's a fair point. Can you imagine you get something in your GitHub email? It's like, hey, uh, want to come to Redmond? Yeah, right. I mean, they're gonna, they do have really interesting. They're gonna have so many interesting insights now. That's the creepy part that we may learn more about as time goes on. We may not. I mean, this just broke today, so we're still processing it. It seems like there's still a lot to figure out and learn. I'm sure they'll share. Yeah, more. and, and the rea- and the reality is, I think for the first year, they're going to be very hands off, right? Nate, Nate will go over and uh, go ahead and take over, but then it's. I would be surprised if we see aggressive moves. Yeah, me too. Because they, you know, it, it it is true that people are a lot of folks have left to GitLab. Like I'm sure it is a very very vocal minority, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just do nothing for a year just to calm the community down and say nothing's changed. Your paychecks just say Microsoft now, right? Yeah, and and they can afford to be a patient slow-moving company when right. it comes to this kind of stuff. Well, and GitHub makes money, right? GitHub does have revenue. So it's not like they bought some little app startup that the app like never even launched. Right. And now their services cost probably just got removed. So now it's going to be much more of a moneymaker. <laughs> Migrate that baby to Azure. Yep. <laughs> All right, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to touch on this week? Uh, no, I'm going to go ahead and throw this Mac out the window and uh, we'll be back on pop by the morning. Wow. All right. Well, uh, hey, there's a sale on Pixelbooks. Tell the good folks uh, where they can find you in the meantime, like somewhere else online. Follow at Dumanuk on Twitter. I'm sure it's going to be entertaining. <laughs> and follow me at Chris LAS. And the show may float. Recording days and stuff are changing as I'm on the road and Mike's going to be traveling. So grab every single new episode at coder.show slash subscribe. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Coder Radio. We'll see you right back here next week.